playing the ukulele badly because this podcast is self-produced. Weird stuff has happened in the past and here I am to tell you about it, I guess. Yeah, I will. Yeah. Absurd Real History. Hello and welcome to Absurd Real History, the podcast where I find weird things that I think are ridiculously funny and find equally weird people to tell them about. Today I am really excited to have my good friend, writer and performer, Sarah McKenna Dunn. Hello, Sarah. Hello, Sersha. I'm really excited to be here. Uh, she's buzzing. She has no idea what we're going to be talking about today. No, but I've washed my hair for it, so uh, <laughs> it's important. <laughs> Usually people have no idea what we're going to be talking about. I don't think you're going to know this story, okay. but I think areas of it, I definitely think your insight would be very good and fun and interesting for me. Okay. I'm going to start off talking about fairies. Oh, this is, yeah, you're, yeah, you're in my neighborhood right now. The whole podcast was going to be about this one incident, but then it led me on a journey. But first, I'm just going to talk to, have you ever heard of the Cottingley fairies? I don't think so. You haven't? I don't think so. Maybe I will when you go into it, but the name isn't striking. Do you believe in fairies? Yes, but not, not your Disney fairies, um, I'm a passionate enthusiast of Irish folklore, so I definitely believe that there's something out there. Um, I don't know what that is. I don't know what a fairy looks like, but I'm very open to the idea of there being other creatures in our realm. Okay, this is this is going to be an interesting yes. one. Um, <laughs> <Sorry>. Well, <laughs> just where, where we're going with this. Um, so basically, Cottingley is a town in Yorkshire, England. In 1917, two cousins, Elsie and Francis, would frequently play yes you're recognizing it now I think I do I think I I won't give any spoilers I think I know where we're going with this we're only really talking about it at surface level now I was originally gonna do a whole thing about it but then I got sidetracked and ended up talking about a friendship of sorts oh okay basically these two girls would go play by a stream they weren't allowed to play there and when asked why do you keep going there when you're not allowed to play they would say well, that's where the fairies lived. So they took their father's camera and took two photos of themselves with fairies, which managed to dupe the world. Wow. What year was this? 1917. 1917. The dad didn't believe them, but the mother, Polly, was a little bit like, okay, maybe, maybe. Their photos mm-hmm. are really realistic looking. Um, so two years later, she took them to a meeting of the Theosophical Society, a group dedicated to exploring unexplained phenomena. There's so many of these groups from these era that I find really exciting that I might just do separate episodes on these kind of groups. Uh, like there's a, a ghost club. Oh, wow. That W.B. Yeats was a part of. Oh, yeah. W.B. Yeats was the biggest occultist that uh, I think ever Irish society has. And I love that about him. She asked if the photos might be true and they investigated and determined. Yes. Yes, they were true. But what was, in, uh, what, what, what was the photos of? Like what, what, what was in the photo? It was a girl yeah. with fairies around her, uh, relatively large, just one of the girls with fairies. And then another photo was of the other girl with fairies. And what did these fairies look like? Bigger than I expected when I first heard of the photos. Okay. Um, so like five inches. They were stereotypical of what fairies looked like at the time in so storybooks. Wings. which Yeah, which led people to believe, well you know, fairies really existed. They wouldn't look exactly like how we are guessing fairies look like in stories of this time. True. Yeah. But they would have been forgotten about if it hadn't been for none other than Arthur Conan Doyle. Sherlock Holmes, isn't it? Mm Mm-hmm. Brilliant. Yes. Good. My English knowledge is coming back to me. Do you know much about Arthur Conan Doyle beyond Sherlock Holmes? 
Um, I, if I had paid attention in all my lectures of my English degree, I would have, but uh, I was late to 90% of my lectures. I don't think they would talk about this much. So in 1920, Doyle visited the girls and urged them to take more photos, which they did. They took three more photos. He then published the photos and wrote about the existence of fairies, bringing them to the attention of the wider public, sparking an international controversy that pitted spiritualists against skeptics. The girls remained firm of the genuineness of these photographs right up until the early 80s when Elsie then confessed to paper cutouts with long hat pins. Wow. So this is like the biggest, I want to say, trolling um, event that happened where they just cut out figures from books, wasn't it? Elsie was 16 at the time and Frances was 9. So she was a very good artist. Wow. She they, she drew them. She made them. Wow. Oh my gosh. Whatever happened to the... Oh, imagine if that, I'd love to go to a museum or an art gallery where you saw the actual original creations there. You can look up the photos if you just look in the Cotting Fairies. It's very, very easy to find. They made a movie about it in the 90s, which I very vaguely remembered watching. Okay. It's based on this, but it's completely fictionalized. Fairy tale, a true story, it's called. Well, that's on my watch list now. That's not really what this story is about. I just think it's a good introduction to what we're really talking yeah. about, which is Arthur Conan Doyle and his mad beliefs and his friendship with Harry Houdini. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. I didn't I didn't think you were going to go down this. Wow. I didn't see this coming. Okay, right. I'm really, I'm really interested. I became fascinated in this friendship. They're more frenemies and it's hilarious. Okay. It's hard to believe that the creator of cynical and logical Sherlock Holmes would be an avid believer of ghosts and all things supernatural. Arthur Conan Doyle was an avid spiritualist and acted as a public speaker for spiritualism and in his writing. Arthur Conan Doyle grew to detest Sherlock Holmes as he felt it kept him from writing about the important stuff, like fairies. He even killed Sherlock Holmes in 1893, but had to bring him back due to public outcry. Wow, imagine being an author and being completely dictated by your your fan base, never being able to like move outside of that. Spiritualism um, started in the 1800s, but it really became popular around World War I. People were looking for ways to you know, deal with grief mm-hmm. and the hope of contacting all the uh, loved ones that had died during the war. war. Yeah. Doyle himself believed to have spoken to his own son six times since his death. Wow, what did his son die of? In the war. Oh, in the war. Oh, it's kind of a sad um, existence, isn't it, that people kind of went into this subject matter. It wasn't just curiosity, but it was like looking for answers. And that's why I think, you know, when people who are psychics nowadays, there's that whole threshold of like what's exploitation and what's genuine and all this kind of complicated matter around it. It's such an interesting subject. Yeah, and Arthur Arthur Conan Doyle states that he was raised Catholic, but has been interested in spiritualism since the 1880s, but it wasn't really until this time, it wasn't until his son passed away that him and his whole family really kind of embraced spiritualism publicly. Wow. If you took on spiritualism, like you, you were, you know, that's kind of considered like a cultish, that's kind of... You're doing things that church wouldn't necessarily approve of. Like, how did communities react to this? You know, because if you're in particularly Catholic communities, you know, was this taboo? Was this shamed upon? How was it looked at? He renounced his own Catholic faith and upbringing and had a strained relationship with his father. It's also worth noting that at this time when he was publicly speaking for spiritualism, there was a loads of these groups for it. 
by the early 1900s, he was already wildly successful as the author of Sherlock Holmes. Okay. Arthur Conan Doyle and the great magician Harry Houdini kind of had this weird, odd couple-like relationship, which is the core of what I want to talk about. Okay. I feel like the fairy story is just a good example of, you know, what Arthur Conan Doyle believes in, that he wrote about the existence of fairies using these photos as proof. Okay. In a later interview, one of the girls even said that, you know, the reason they took the other photos is imagine you'd be embarrassed to, you know, Arthur Conan Doyle's coming to your house and be like, oh, we lie. And they're kind of intimidated. They didn't want to make a fool of, of him. Imagine. Yeah. Did he go? So he went to their house. Yeah. And did he, they bring them? They would have brought him down to this river and been like, this is where we see the fairies. And what the yes. And they probably would have had to make this kind of performance or this performative kind of day where they're sitting there trying to like connect to fairies or encourage fairies to come out imagine like it's like a lie that they the two of them would have been trying to keep going in that moment and trying to keep people believing wow they kept it going for like 60 70 years it goes to show you how much people want to believe in this that they're just like yeah 100 i'm i'm behind these girls they said it happened there's photographs I, I want to believe this. The core of Houdini and Doyle's relationship, who got on great, mm-hmm. the core of it was their vastly different opinions on the spiritual and supernatural. Houdini acting as the cynic and Doyle genuinely believing his friend had supernatural abilities to perform his tricks, despite his friend repeating him, telling him that he was not supernatural. Wow. I mean, it makes sense. You know, the magician always has a secret there's always a logical answer so therefore the magician knows that magic is not real better than anyone else yeah although it's not what you expect you know arthur conan doyle is known for being very well educated and also the character of sherlock holmes yeah that's true a lot of the information that we know about their relationship comes from an article houdini the enigma which arthur conan doyle published in the strand magazine after houdini's death it was a two-parter one for month of August and one for the month of September mm-hmm. the Strand was also where he first published Sherlock Holmes cool yeah let's let's get into it living on different continents the two men sought each other out at the time both having international public fame and exchanged letters on science and spiritualism and debated greatly Houdini was a decade younger than Doyle and not as well educated but they respected each other greatly imagine their- being friends with somebody of that caliber, both Houdini and Arthur Conan Doyle, you know, like, like that's top tier, you know, friendship in two different continents. Ah, and like just casually talking about spiritualism and all that kind of stuff. Like nowadays people are there like, you know, taking photographs of their dinner and sending them to their friends on another continent. It's just not the same. I'm sure you have that with artists connecting this is true except the artist world mm. yeah so before they met they were already exchanging letters they both expressed an interest in you know performance mediums mm-hmm. and houdini sent doyle his book the unmasking of robert houdin and in the book he exposed the davin brothers act as well as robert houdin so these were well-known kind of need like performance magician Uh, mediums Doyle wrote to thank Houdini for the book he then went on to explain that Houdini hadn't convinced him of any fraud on the part of the mediums wow his belief was that set into it yes wow this would be a constant in their friendship yeah constant source of debate and okay right here's how this trick is done nah no 
just no, don't believe you. People just want to believe. People desperately. I, I, it's the, it's the two types of people: the person that wants to know how the magic trick is done, and the person that is like, no, 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 no. I, I'm happy being convinced. It's like the first time you see a magic trick, you're like, wow. But the second time you're watching the hands or you're watching around to see, okay, where, what's, what's the giveaway? What's the trick? You don't expect it from Arthur Conan Doyle though, do you? No, I, I don't. <laughs> but at the same time, it's, I'm intrigued to see where it's going to go. Okay. During Houdini's tour in London, Doyle saw the act and loved it and invited him over. They got along excellently. They had a surprising amount in common and the two would continue to exchange letters and meet whenever they were both on the same side of the Atlantic. Lovely. Doyle wanted Houdini to become an avid believer in the spiritual movement and believed him to have psychic gifts and felt that Houdini was squandering them. Houdini, though skeptical, remained open to the possibility of there being mediums, although he was very much like, I am not supernatural. I am telling you this. He asked Doyle to recommend a medium. Houdini's mother passed away in 1913 and he was very close to his mother. Mm -hmm. So... At this stage, although he was cynical, he was open to the idea that it meant there was a possibility of him contacting his mother through some way. Mm-hmm. Houdini visited Annie Britton, the most famous medium in England at the time. He experienced the same tricks that he once utilized in his own fake seances that he performed during the early stages of his career. Flickering candles, rocking chairs, the clanging of bells, doors opening and closing. He wasn't impressed. As you, as you wouldn't be as a magician. This is just performative. In one letter to Houdini, Doyle wrote, My dear chap, why do you go around the world seeking a demonstration of the occult when you are giving one all the time? Mrs. Guppy, a well-known medium, could dematerialize and so could many folk in holy writ. And I do honestly believe that you can also. In which case, I again ask you, why do you want demonstrations of the occult? My reason tells me that you have this wonderful power, for there is no alternative, though I have no doubt that, up to a point, your strength and skill avail you, I am amused by your investigating with the SPR. Do they never think of investigating you? Oh, like you can imagine Houdini just sitting there getting the letters, rolling his eyes, being like, I've just told you how I do everything. Oh, wow. I'm surprised yes. that um, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle was so um, he, they're so stubborn to accept any explanation of how Houdini was doing his tricks. Yeah. And just Houdini's like outright, like he wasn't even trying to fool no. him. You know what I mean? He wasn't, he was no. being honest. In a way, almost potentially putting his career um, on, on, a, on a cliff edge there. Like it if doesn't. Arthur Conan Doyle. It doesn't put his like, career on a cliff edge. Not being able, do you not think so? Not being able to, if you're a magician. Well, no, it's skill. And, you know, he would always say, you know, it's skill. So, okay, if people take any fact away from this podcast, I want it to be this one because I was giggling about this. Just to reiterate about dematerializing and stuff that we go on to say later. The writer of Sherlock Holmes believed Houdini performed tricks by turning into ectoplasm and seeping through. That's what he thought happened. In those, like, where he appeared in different places or how he escaped, he thought he turned into ectoplasm in the spirit world and traveled through. That's really off the time, isn't it? That's the trend, um, if ever there was one, when the ectoplasm... I often had this conversation with someone recently. It's like, whatever happened to ectoplasm? Why don't we like that anymore? You know, let's bring it back. Let's bring it back. You know, trends recycle every so often. It's time for ectoplasm to come back, you know. 
Yeah, so I, f- I feel like we're, we're kind of like that now. I'm like Houdini, the cynic, and you're uh, all spiritual, kind yeah. of doyle, believing in fairies and a bit magic. Like desperately wanting to um, believe in these things that I'm kind of refusing. Well, no, I think that's, I, th- I think I do approach things from a skeptical perspective and I like to debunk things. I like to prove something is not real so that when something happens that is real, I can fully go, aha, I can believe yeah. that. I don't think you believe that magicians turn into ectoplasm to do their tricks. No, it would be really cool. Um, I would be, you know, you could come at very handy at times, like if you wanted to rob a bank or like get out of a meeting that you didn't want to be in, it would be great. But uh, no, I don't think he was actively becoming ectoplasmic. Houdini kept trying to convince Doyle that he was being duped by con artists. Doyle kept trying to convince Houdini to just be honest and open and harness his supernatural powers. <laughs> believe in yourself Houdini (laughs) it's like just accept that you have them and you could become a really powerful medium is essentially what Doyle was was saying Houdini was very adamant that he had no supernatural powers (laughs) a good example of this would be Houdini even performed an entire elaborate illusion just for Doyle in his private home with the presence of Bernus ML Ernst, Houdini's friend and lawyer. Ernest recounted Houdini saying at the end of the trick. So he did this big elaborate trick, which mm-hmm. I read about and honestly couldn't really understand. It was very complicated with like planks of wood and ropes and metals and lots of Arthur Conan Doyle going to like test them out. And I won't won't get some big elaborate Houdini trick. Very kinky, yes. Sir Arthur. I have devoted a lot of time and thought to this illusion. I've been working at it on and off all winter. I won't tell you how it's done, but I can assure you it is pure trickery. I did it by perfectly normal means. I devised it to show you what can be done done along these lines. Now I beg of you, Sir Arthur, do not jump to the conclusion that certain things you see are necessarily supernatural or the work of the spirits just because you cannot explain them. This is a marvellous demonstration as you have ever witnessed, giving you under test conditions, and I can assure you that it was accomplished by trickery and by nothing else. Do, therefore, be careful in future in endorsing phenomena just because you cannot explain them. I have given you this test to impress upon you the necessity of caution, and I sincerely hope that you will profit by it. Literally, he goes, now I beg of you. Yeah. You can hear the frustration. (laughs) Oh, wow. Uh, was Houdini himself religious? Just, I'm wondering. He was raised Jewish. His dad was a rabbi, but he would publicly say he was an atheist in his later life. Because, it, you know, the belief then in religion kind of applies to Houdini's understanding of illusion and magic. You know, that you can't believe something just because it seems magical. You know, there's a, there's a logical reason for everything. Yeah. And it's funny then you say that um, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, like, left, was it he left Catholicism? He left the faith? Yeah. Yeah. Spiritualism is a type of religion in itself, though. That's true. Yeah. You know, it's it does believe in kind of godly powers. And the main thing is that you don't ever die and there's a spirit world, which pet fairies are a part of and various other things. And that they frequently try and talk, talk to people. I do want to say, this might be a bit off topic, but I came away from this research developing a crush on Houdini and that may just be locked down <laughs> but he was quite attractive and he sounds gas and great and you know he had a wife who he's great with and um, 
he he seems great. Like, I mean, like, I must look up pictures of because I can't. I, I only have this like this weird image of him in my mind. But I think I'm thinking of a conquistador rather than Houdini. So don't ask me where I connected those two. But um, yeah, like I mean, he's a fascinating individual from history. Whenever he's quoted, or even when Doyle is talking about Houdini in like a negative way, I'm kind of like, this guy seems class and he's noted as being very funny like he was a showman he was a very good showman yeah and you know he worked really hard at his craft at his skill his wife was his stage assistant by all accounts he was an excellent husband and i I don't know uh this is just go houdini is all i'm saying how did houdini Um, die we'll get to it okay 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 (laughs) we'll get to it so despite houdini's that big plea like i beg of you Mm because they're friends they get on great they have a lot in common yeah, except for this one big thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is a pretty big elephant in the room, all right. I mean, we all kind of have friends like that in many ways that you kind of just have to accept it and be like, let's just not talk about it. But the thing is, is they were both so interested in it, they couldn't not talk about it. Yeah, fair enough. Doyle remained unconvinced. He believed it was all too fantastical and amazing to be other anything other than supernatural abilities. I can't get over his stubbornness to accept the, the alternative. I just... I'm taken aback. Yeah. Oh, we all know people like that. I mean, if you that's kind of the friendship, though, that you want. To get someone who worships you like the way Sir Arthur Conan Doyle worshipped Houdini. You know, that's... I would hate that. I, if I had a friend that kept thinking I was a god, it might be kind of fun at first, but eventually, I don't know, it would probably get to my head. Oh, I don't know. I think I'd like that. Maybe it's the Leo complex in oh, me. God. Just, yep. Me, me, make me an empress. I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. You're a fucking guy. No. <laughs> in 1922, when the Conan fa- family were visiting America for a spiritualist lecture, they arranged to meet with Houdini and his wife Bess in Atlantic City. Houdini invited them to a banquet at the Society of American Magicians. He promised to demonstrate how magicians fake spiritualist phenomena, but Doyle didn't want to see spiritualism mocked, so Houdini, being a good friend, changed his act to a trunk escape one, which I thought was kind of nice, I guess. Yeah, it's a bit like, you know, the whole Santa Claus illusion, that kind of thing. You don't want to crush a spirit. Doyle then took the stage and showed the magicians a stop-motion film segment of dinosaurs walking a prehistoric landscape. The magicians, including Houdini, were awestruck. Doyle confessed the clip came from a film of his novel, The Lost World. That's right! He wrote The Lost World! That's right i used to there used to be this yes sorry that just images of my childhood were coming back there when i used to watch anything that had dinosaurs in it and i'd stumble across the lost world on tv one day so yes i included that because i know you love dinosaurs and also i think it kind of shows you know genuineness in their friendship and they did have fun together and it does sound very wholesome like however on that same trip something would happen that would turn their friendship into more of a feud no okay Oh dear. The Conan suggested contacting Houdini's mother. Houdini agreed. Lady Conan Doyle, or Jean, Arthur Conan Doyle's wife, was a well-known medium back in England and worked with the help of a spirit guide named Phineas, apparently. They sat in a darkened room and Jean entered in a trance-like state, producing 15 sheets of paper through um, automatic writing. Do you know about automatic writing? I do because Yeats and Lady Gregory were huge fans of automatic writing where you just you let your mind go blank and you just put your pen to the paper and 
whatever you whatever you start to kind of you move your hand isn't it and whatever comes from your movement of your hand will sometimes be images or words isn't that right it's essentially uh, your body being possessed by a spirit wow i mean i'd love to do it i've never done it but i mean i'd love to to go somewhere that's you know hyped up as being paranormal and or go to a fairy for it and just sit in it and see if anything comes to mind but then I'd be so scared of leaving with this entity attached to me anyway that's just my own Um, I'm sure you'll be fine I'm sure there'd be no no entity there (laughs) that's my own fears so she produced 15 sheets of paper by Houdini's mother supposedly just a lot a lot of paper they included passages like I am happy it's so different over here so much larger and more beautiful very generic yeah I'm, I'm i'm skeptical about it you uh, it's complete nonsense mm, yeah you know having you on with i thought would be a bit you know get the other view but i'm also a bit more like maybe i should have just had someone on to agree with me that it's all such nonsense i mean i think i would be i know I, I i <laughs> i think what she was writing was nonsense i don't believe in that situation because i mean like it just sounds very performative and too generic as you say and i don't believe as articulate I believed they believed it and that's the, my whole opinion with all of these things I believe that if there are spirits or ghosts that they would have much more important stuff to be dealing with than like chatting to us I know if I was a ghost like I would not bother like haunting someone or talking to, I'd be like man I'm gonna fucking fly around Africa I don't know <laughs> it depends like what are the rules of the spirit world like we don't know like do you do you remain committed to a certain location to a certain place do you have that freedom you know it's like that whole japanese mythology of if you die in a manner where you are vengeful or angry do you come back as some like scary entity rather than like the good person that you truly are you know there's all this if you look across different cultures at everybody's depiction of what life after death is um there are certain rules and regulations that spirits have to follow because all of that world is so ritualistic sorry well look all all i know is i just i can't believe that if spirits exist they would want anything to do with this world i'd be like let's get all about out of here fly around the clouds all there's much more exciting worlds i'm sure i'm sure there is yeah just all right in the back of a comet uh, but anyway, they they both had very different accounts and opinions of how the event went. The Doyles viewed it as a, as a success. Um, here's a, a quote here directly from Conan Doyle. Houdini was deeply moved and there is no question that at the time he entirely accepted it. When we met him two days later in New York, he said to us, I've been walking on air ever since. Doyle believed he had finally convinced his friend of the legitimacy of medians, of mediums and converted him to spiritualism when in reality he was probably just being polite to his friend that's what i think too i don't think after going on such a a rant about you know all of this stuff is fake and it's all illusion that he would be convinced so easily particularly if the stuff was very generic and was not like um stuff that only houdini would know about his mother we'll get you into know? his doubts we'll get into his doubts okay okay, okay. Uh, he viewed that they were more self-deluded than trying to trick him that's what houdini thought Houdini also, like you, was, you know, kind of intrigued by this whole concept of automatic writing. So he asked about it and tried it in his own home. He took a pencil and wrote the name Powell, which shocked Doyle because he had a friend of that name that had recently passed away, giving Doyle more hope that Houdini was a medium. 
Houdini explained that he was referring to magician friend Frederick Eugene Powell, who he was currently in contact with a lot. <laughs> Sir Arthur, Arth- Sir Arthur's immediate response: No, the Powell explanation won't do. <laughs> That's fair enough. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> like, no, it's too much of a coincidence. It had to be my friend. Ah. Uh, Houdini had loads of doubts about the seance and was quite enraged by him, mainly because the 15 pages were written in English and his mother spoke little to no English. Oh, there you go. There you go. Yep, that's it. That's that's the fakery there. The seance actually happened on his mother's birthday and Houdini believed if it was genuinely her, she made she would have made some reference to it being her birthday. There you go. You see, this is why you have to do your research. That's a basic thing. Life, when you're born and when you die, that's such a basic thing. Okay. Also, at the top of all of the pages, uh, there was a cross drawn, which we already talked about Houdini being Jewish, so he doesn't think his mother would ever draw a cross. Yeah, that's, yeah. Doyle would go on to defend that birthdays have no meaning or existence in the spirit world, and that contact between the two worlds often produce a natural translating effect. So it was normal that the communication would be in the language of the medium and not of that of the spirit. And the crosses are merely a sign done on all automatic writing. That's a bit of um, Christian or privilege, what would you call it? Like, you know, that assumption that every other religion just obeys this kind of symbolism. Wow, okay. Yeah, I often thought about that when, like, I see international ghost hunters go to somewhere like, um, say, for example, they go to Transylvania and they go try to connect with... Vlad the Impaler or something like outrageous like that it's like he's not going to speak English he's not going to have the colloquialisms of your American uh, language like why don't to spiritualism they would though that's how it's explained I don't know I don't don't. well again who's who's to say I mean like nobody really knows what I just say it's bullshit I'm gonna get you I'm gonna get you I'm gonna get you what I will say is that is English language privilege and bullshit. Of course, English language people would think that everyone speaks English language in the in the in the other realm. Why can't we all speak Irish in the other realm? Is it only then I will finally harness my twelve years of that language? Hey, I'm a fluent Gwelgor more so than you, Sarah. Don't be. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I fully, I, 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 I recognise that you are, and I'm in awe of that. And... The rest of the podcast will now be in Irish. So fuck you, English speakers. We are embracing our. Heritage? Okay, Kakalora. Kakalora Herka. Anish le what would be the Irish for Houdini? <laughs> Houdiniach. Houdiniach. Houdiniach August uh no, okay. Um I I've already written it in English, so I may as well just continue on. You may as well. Thank you for not alienating me for the rest of the podcast. <laughs> so Houdini kind of heard his friend saying that the seance was a success and was kind of angry about this. A few months after this event, he publicly denounced spiritualism as a fraud and was now convinced that all mediums were charlatans or deluded. Wow. Okay. In the, yeah. And here's a quote directly from him. Up until the present time, everything that I've investigated has been the result of deluded brains. Which really upset Doyle and his wife, because that includes their seance. Yeah, yeah, I could see why you would be upset over that. Wow. Then, in the later years of his life, Houdini, it was his personal mission to disprove all of those claiming to have psychic abilities, something that many magicians would follow his lead on. Well, I'm interested to know, was he successful in that? Yeah, so now they're now they're enemies. Uh, Doyle and Houdini, they kind of stopped messing each other a lot, and there would be a lot of 
public things. Conan Doyle wrote that Houdini was a very conceited and self-opinionated man. Houdini would say, Doyle is a bit senile and easily bamboozled. Again, I fancy Houdini because he uses words like bamboozled. I definitely would get on with someone like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, And they would have constant disagreements between the two. What Houdini would often do, which again, I think is gas, he would attend loads of seances in disguise because he was quite, he was famous, you know, so he would be caught out. So he'd attend in disguise and the moment he witnessed a deceptive technique, he'd stand and proclaim, I am Houdini and you are a fraud. Wow. Wow. I love that. Imagine having that, just that power. This is my power complex coming in again. No, it's badass. I love I it. I like, I'm attracted to yeah. it. I'm attracted to that power, Houdini. I love it. I can just see him, you know, he sit there with like a fake mustache. You know? Yeah, it's always a fake mustache. It's probably not a <laughs> And he just whips off the cape, rips off the mustache. You know, a spotlight lands on him just from, you know, the air. Like, I can see it. It's so performative. God, I love it. Yeah, pretty great. So he, while he was doing all this, Doyle was continuing to give lectures on spiritualism. Conan Doyle sounds like a man who would join a cult. See, Conan Doyle is a man that I wouldn't fancy. Houdini is a man that I would yeah, fancy. Yeah, yeah. That's how I that's how I split them. That's it. That's it. That's the two categories of life. You're either in the Houdini <laughs> section or the Conan Doyle section. Yeah. In 1924, Houdini wrote another book called A Magician Among the Spirits. In it, he called fake mediums human leeches for exploiting people's grief for money. In it, he also exposed some of his own tricks and and those performed by other magicians and illusionists throughout the world. He believed so much in wanting to stop all this nonsense and people taking advantage of people grieving. Because yeah. there was a lot of that, you know. I mean, I, I admire that. And I think that's really true. And I think that's something that still applies to today. I, like, I do believe there are people out there that have psychic abilities, but not in the way that that is glorified and sensationalized. I do believe psychic abilities possibly comes in the form of like a very high intuition that people might be tapping into something extremely private. I'll, I'll go with high intuition. I, I'm, I'm worried about giving you too much airtime, Sarah. We're friends, it's okay. To the audiences and I'm not just being uh, mean. Yeah, yeah. Conan Doyle thought that Houdini just wrote the book to conceal his own supernatural powers because he was actually using them to block the powers of other lesser magicians. Wow. Yeah, Conan Doyle basically thought that it would destroy his career if people knew he was using psychic abilities instead of pure skill. So it was all just an elaborate ruse to stay in the public eye. Fair enough, I can see that, yeah. Houdini wrote in the Christian Register in July 1925, tell the people that all I am trying to do is to save them from being tricked in their grief and sorrows and to persuade them to leave spiritualism alone and take up some genuine religion. I mean, it's admirable. Which I get. He's not denouncing all religion. Houdini joined a committee formed by Scientific American magazine offering 10 grand, which by the way, 10 grand in like the 1920s. A lot of money. It's a lot lot of money. Mm -hmm. Rewarded any psychic who could present psychic phenomenon that could not be explained rationally. No one ever collected. A female medium named Marjorie Crandon came close. She managed to fool everyone on the committee except for Houdini. Do you know what she did? Do you know what she did, What did she do? She had the ability to manifest otherworldly ectoplasm from oh her mouth. Oh my god. I was from, about to say ectoplasm. Okay. From her mouth and vagina. Only those two orifices, which is Ew. interesting. Oh. Very gross. It's so gross. Yeah. 
Houdini identified the substance as dead animal tissue and also discovered that the medium offered sexual favors to the Scientific American Committee in exchange for a positive verdict of her paranormal. I'm sitting here cringing as to, I really hope to God she didn't have dead animal tissue in her vagina. No, she did. That's yeah. what she did. She shoved dead yeah. animal tissue up her vagina and oh, in her mouth. I'm so uncomfortable at that. She's <laughs> like, no. And she was offering sexual favors so people would be like, yeah, this is true. But Houdini called up on. That's what I'm saying. Like, I told you. Do you, do you understand now you why understand. I have my Houdini, my newfound Houdini crush? I understand. You should put a call out nationally for <laughs> anyone that is like Houdini. Yeah. Doyle believed in the importance of removing fake mediums and believed Houdini should work with the spiritualist community in general instead of declaring all of them as charlatans. Uh, Many of these people were personal friends of Doyle and he believed them to be genuine and believed Houdini to be causing constant harm to the spiritualist religion and to the world in general. Um, I can see his point of view and I can understand his point of view. And, you know, he makes a valid point also. Like, I I can see where both of them are arguing from. Sure. <laughs> in, <laughs> in 1926, Houdini testified before Congress in support of a bill to outlaw the practice of pretending to tell fortunes for reward or compensation. Congress passed the bill out, outlawing fortune telling in the District of Columbia, and it is still illegal in many areas of America, including New York, including New York City, though it's not enforced, mainly due to Houdini's work. He you know, it was four days he spent campaigning for this bill. Like, he really dedicated his life to stopping people, you know, profiting off grief and... What? Well, have you heard about the famous case um, that happened in Ireland of a, a very well-known mm-hmm. psychic that got uh, outed as being a, a fraud? Like all psychics, you mean, Sarah? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, this particular... Uh, I'll just say it very quickly... Um, she had her own TV show. She would tour all around the UK and Ireland, going to like theatres and stuff like that. You know, being on stage. Like I have a, I have a Daniel. I have a Daniel in the audience. No, Daniel, that kind of person. Anyway, um, it was in the Olympia, and there were two people sitting up the very back row near the tech box, and they could hear a voice in the tech box, um, saying something. And then whatever the voice in the tech box would say, your woman on stage would repeat it, and they started to put two and two together and be like hold on there's someone in the tech box feeding her information and what it turned out was that she had plants who would go around the show to go around the audience before the show would begin and find out oh i'm here today for so and so who are you here for pretend to be people visiting and would get all this information from people and then keep it up there in the box with them and relay it to her during the show yeah and it's 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 that as well i mean that's shocking but a lot of it is just being able to people to like reading people you know yeah and Houdini knew all these tricks and again he would frequently kind of do these tricks to Conan Doyle and explain how he was doing them and he would still not not believe it at least Houdini always was honest you know you could never say he was a dishonest man well Houdini was open to it you know when he was first friends with uh Doyle he wasn't against it you know, he was open to it and he really did try his best to go to see mediums. And then when he recognized all the tricks, he just came to the conclusion that these people were just exploiting people's mm-hmm. griefs and sorrow and getting money from them. 
And Doyle would go on to say that he didn't believe that he went to enough good mediums and all this stuff. But, you know, I'm Houdini saw people being exploited and knew how they were doing it and made it his personal mission to stop it. And that's why I have a crush on Harry Houdini. <laughs> if for nothing else, that reason alone is is substantial enough. So spiritualists were furious with him, especially when the bill was passed, and he received letters from spiritualists predicting his violent death. Of course. As punishment for his nefarious work. Yeah, as you would. And mm, Houdini died aged 52 that year on Halloween night. Oh, now is that not a bit weird? I know you love Halloween. Oh, that's a bit weird now, I have to say. Look, I was all sceptical about that, but that's a... Uh, that's that's freaky. Mm. Uh, the year of his death, Houdini was in the process of working on a novel with H.P. Lovecraft and his friend C.M. Eddie Jr. to write an entire book about debunking religious miracles, which was to be called The Cancer of the Superstition. Now, doctors examining Houdini said that he died of ruptured appendix but several of his biographers claimed that he was murdered by spiritualists so that the book would never get published as well as all of his other work that angered the community I mean I'm open to both what a what a what a great book did that did that book ever um amount to anything no it never he'd only really started working on it when when he died and with HP Lovecraft like yeah he had hired him and everything you know what that could have been a classic that we were yeah. looking at nowadays in the book the secret life of houdini the authors argued that spiritualists had a history of poisoning their foes they said there was never an autopsy to confirm the appendicitis and added if someone was hell-bent on poisoning houdini it wouldn't have been very difficult it's also worth noting that there was a rumor going around at the time that an unexpected punch to the stomach by a student caused the rupture. Now, this was the story that I was told and that I believed when I, like before all this, mm. that he was like punched when he hadn't, because he used to be, one of his tricks would be to take blows to the stomach, but because he hadn't prepared for it, a student punched him in the stomach and later it caused the rupture and all this. It's worth noting though, that even at the time this was a rumor and Doyle didn't believe that rumor uh, many believe that the gut punch, though, could have been a setup again by the spiritualist community. In 2007, Houdini's great-grandnephew, George Harding, even attempted to persuade the courts to exhume Houdini's remains to perform another autopsy, but other family members were against it. So we don't, there's there's still a lot of speculation as to how he died. I mean, it's very plausible that he was murdered. I mean, I've, I've never heard of a punch in the gut rupturing your appendix. But I'm not very well up in my medical knowledge, so uh, I could possibly... Well, it wasn't just the appendix. It was, like, another another thing as well that was caused of it. But, yeah, exactly. Um, There's huge debate over that, you know? Murder. So, possibly Houdini was murdered. I mean, the fact that it was on, a, you know, Halloween and that he had all these hatred towards him. Who knows? What do you think? I mean, I'm on the side of the, the great-grandnephew. Definitely um, exhume him. I think Houdini himself would want to be exhumed and proven the logical reason as to his death and hate would hate this speculation and this mystery and the fact that it did happen on Halloween and there's all that lore attached to it. He's probably like, oh my God, I hate this. You know? He's, yeah. I could exhume Houdini. Doyle was not surprised by Houdini's death 
as it was predicted by multiple sources in the spiritualism community. And here's a quote again from the um, Houdini, the Enigma. Mm -hmm. In my own home circle, I had the message a year or so ago. Houdini is doomed, doomed, doomed. So seriously did I take warning that I would have written to him had I the least hope that my words could take any effect. I knew, however, by previous experience that he always published my letters, even the most private of them, and that it would only give him a fresh pretext for ridiculing that which I regard as a sacred cause. Wow. It's written after his death, although he says that he started writing it before his death. And you can really sense the friendship that they had reading it, this very, like, the back and forth. And even there, you know, he obviously yeah. cared about his friend, but obviously took great offence to how his la- their later half of their friendship just became him publicly denouncing everything that he held dear to him. It's it's tough, isn't it? I can, because you care for each other as people, but your beliefs differed. And uh, I mean, there's probably a lot of things that people can identify in that. He does open Houdini the Enigma, though, by saying that he was perhaps the greatest medium to ever exist, even if he never admitted it. <laughs> it's like, I'll just get that little bit in there about you anyway, Houdini. Doyle also believed Houdini may have known he was going to die because he was a medium. Doyle still convinced that Houdini was magic. Mm-hmm. Literally magic. For the next 10 years on Halloween night, Houdini's wife, Bess, organized a seance to contact her husband's spirit. She and Houdini had agreed on a secret code. Doyle believed this to be proof that he was not as against spiritualism as he was shown to the public eye. What I believe, and is probably more likely, is that even in his death, did he want to continue trying to disprove spiritualism. None of the seance mediums ever cracked the code, uh, which we, which best did share after the 10 years was up. Rosabelle Believe. Rosabelle Believe. Yeah, Rosabelle was their favourite song together as a couple, which again is so sweet and... Sweet. You fancy Houdini too now. I know, I do. I have a bit of a crush on him now. He's handsome. He was a handsome guy. Yeah, okay. Um, but he was he was handsome and he, had, he was great, you know, doing all these tricks. But what's interesting is that the tradition of holding a seance for Houdini on Halloween is still continued to this day. It's generally by magicians, so... Oh, I love that. Yeah, so magicians all around the world, like really famous, well-known ones, they will like kind of out of respect because a lot of what Houdini did really shaped the magician circle. And even the whole thing of disproving psychics is something that a lot of magicians still continue to do all because of Houdini's work. Wow. Doyle, though, believes he may have made contact with him. Of course he does. And this is how he concludes Houdini the Enigma. And it's also how I'm going to conclude this episode and all the research that I've done. So mm-hmm. it's a bit of a long quote. I have had several messages since his death, which purported to be from him, but none of them contained the conclusive proofs upon which I always insist. There is one, however, which I cannot entirely discard, for it came through a medium whom I associate with some remarkable results in the past. The same Miss Woods, in fact, who prophesied his death. I am sending you a message from Houdini, she wrote. You were right and I was wrong. Houdini materialized and said those words plainly, and then he instructed me to send the message to you. He has found that his will on the other plane is subject to a higher power, and that is his first great lesson there in humility. He wants to give this message to the world. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. 
That is a message which is worthy of the man who may have uttered it, and on it I will end. Be his mystery what it may, he was a great personality with many outstanding qualities, and the world is poorer for his lost. I shall always retain an affection for him and hope to meet him again and hear from his own lips even such a message as quoted above. That's that's sad in a sense, like you can hear the heartbreak in his in his voice. But at the same time, I don't know if Houdini really would say something like that. That sounds very biased. No, it's definitely. Uh, I know, definitely I know, I know you fully, completely just don't believe. So you're just like, no, obviously he didn't. When I was writing it, I kind of thought that Houdini, um, you know, was just a, a freak, you know, death because he did take a lot of blows to the stomach, and it's not unsurprising that something like that happened. Mm-hmm. But just reading it out loud again to you there, yeah. I'm convinced he was poisoned by spiritualists. Yep, I'm convinced. I, I think it. so too. One hundred percent. I don't think it's that paranormal. I think it's completely logical reason as to why he was killed. There are some theories that suggest that Arthur Conan Doyle murdered him. That I definitely don't think is true. And that is a lesser, no, that is a lesser believed conspiracy theory. Yeah, I I would be of the same standing. I don't think he did. I mean, he had a lot of hatred from this community and they obviously had a lot of power at the time. And a lot of people were losing their livelihood due to, you know, the bill that was passed. Yeah. And also like the book that was about to come out that's the main source is that the fact that he had just recently you know hired these great writers to work on this book with him yeah which was meant to you know be like his final massive expose i would have changed the face of potentially modern day um spiritualism mediumship everything as we know it fate even religion maybe Mm. so do you think houdini was a medium do you think he what do you think? I mean, I think Houdini was a, was an illusionist. I think he was a skilled um, artist, an escape artist. If he wasn't a medium, he I think the only reason Conan Doyle went looking for him, went looking for to him as a medium, was because he danced around in this magic um, performativity. I just found there friendship fascinating because it seems like such an odd dynamic for a relationship of just like it's fascinating you have superpowers no I don't yes you do no I don't and then like going the fact that he went to all of the trouble to do a whole trick in his house and it's like this is all fake and Doyle's like nah man nah man it's like in the Wizard of Oz pay no attention to the man behind the green curtain and like Sir Arthur Conan Doyle is like looking at the man behind the green curtain going, yeah, that's that's not the wizard. That big head on the wall there is the wizard, you know? <laughs> what do you think, audience? Do you think, how do you think Houdini died? There's three possible answers, really, or loads. We, no one really knows. Poison, which I usually don't go for the conspiracy one, but I'm going for, he was poisoned by a bunch of spiritualists. Yep, I'm in that. And also, next Halloween, I missed it. I missed it this year. I'm going to have a seance for Houdini. Exciting. I know. And, um, you know, maybe he can come and I can tell him that he think he's fit, that I think he's fit. <laughs> and Dates. And that's how the new dating way, the new way to date. Conjure a spirit. Ectoplasmic spirits. Well, it's definitely more simple than dating during lockdown. I'll tell yeah, you that Yeah, that's much. fair. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? I, I just think um, his character, like, I feel like 
Houdini is just great. Yeah. And, you know, everything I read about him, it's there was nothing nefarious. He just seemed like a genuinely great guy who cared, who had a lot of dedication and work. And I, And to be honest, that's why him and Arthur Conan Doyle became such good friends to begin with, is both of them shared this mutual admiration for each other for how much they take their work seriously. You know, Doyle with his mm-hmm. writing and Houdini with his magic. They were both dedicated to becoming a master of their their craft and putting in the work and putting in the efforts. That's all you can really ask for, is that kind of respect. Yeah, and they also both seem to show really strong morals. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's the that's the episode. Uh, Sarah, do you want to to plug plug everything? Um, yeah, sure. Um, what a what a fitting episode that you brought me on for. Um, I'm, I know I'm a, a, a one of the hosts of a podcast called A Pair of Banshees, where we um, discuss the paranormal history of Ireland and go into sinister sinister folklore that maybe people are unfamiliar with. So um, yeah, if you want to come over and listen to us, we're on uh, we're on Spotify, we're on all those places where you get your podcasts and stuff like that. So uh, if you like this subject matter, you're hopefully going to like that kind of subject matter that we do. And you don't think it's bullshit? Like oh no, I'm, we fully like indulge it with a healthy hint of skepticism, but a, a generous amount of enthusiasm. See, you come to me for just laughing at ridiculous stuff. <laughs> like I think it's I think it's hilarious that. The writer of Sherlock Holmes. I'm going to say this again because I don't want anyone to ever forget this. The writer of Sherlock Holmes, a character known for his logic and his cynicism, genuinely believes that to perform some of his tricks, Houdini would turn into ectoplasm. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Yes. And I've been, as always, your host, Saoirse Shanae. I definitely forgot to say that at the start of today's episode. Um, you can find me at Saoirse Ball on Twitter, Screen for Ireland, which this podcast is produced by. So if you want to give all that a like and a listen and a share. And if you want to contact me um, about the podcast or anything, absurdrealhistory at gmail.com. This is still a new podcast. So if you're enjoying it, you've enjoyed this episode if you've enjoyed previous episodes please tell your friends about it because that would be class and if you have any podcast ideas send them on to me i've been getting so many already and i have a list that keeps on growing so i'm this isn't going to stop for a very long time and yeah that's it wonderful see you sarah bye sarah